Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And to the listeners out there, I want to start with a general thank you. Uh, since we mentioned we're doing listener episodes, was that about a month or so ago now, we have gotten a ton that have come in. Um, and to be upfront to everyone, I can't go through all of them, but thankfully most of them have a lot of general themes that go throughout them. And one of the emails that we received is in line with a topic that I wanted to discuss here anyway, and that's what today's episode will be. So I thank everyone out there for, for reaching out to us. Again, you can do that either by emailing us at fatherandjoe at gmail.com or same thing with at Twitter um, as our Twitter feed, so at Father and Joe. So, Father, we do a lot of discussions about kind of the in-depth analysis of specific things of the faith. I mean, that's what the virtue series was specifically. What is prudence? How does it work? How can we apply it? Um, in this particular episode, I want to kind of step back to the really core fundamentals. And I think it's boiled down to one fundamental question. When we say we got to do what Jesus expects us of, expects of us, what does that mean? So that's essentially, um, as far as fundamentally what is asked of us as Catholics, as basic as I could root that question down to. And i like to start there because that seems like the fundamentals of what we need to accomplish. Well, I would just, uh, I would just want to rephrase that a little bit. It's, uh, it leans too much towards this idea of positive law, like... God made up some rules. You're the kid in the household. You got to follow the rules. And there's something very infantilizing about that that doesn't uh, summon us to the full participation of our freedom and intellect. So I would say it a little bit differently. Um, drawing from, uh, from some desires in our heart, well, what do you want out of life? I'd say simply we want to be happy. We want to be fulfilled. So how do you find fulfillment? Well, live a perfect life. What does a perfect life look like? Well, it's probably the life that God himself lived when he became a human being. So Jesus Christ is God incarnate. That is God living as a human being. And so if we want to live a divine life, Divine is another way of speaking of happiness. Just by definition, what is divine is heavenly. We want to live a heavenly life. So when heaven comes to earth in the form of a human being, uh, how do we live that life? Well, that's the life of Jesus. And so how do we live the life of Jesus? So that's, a, that's, that's still uh, stopping a little bit short of... Uh, the full the fullness of Christianity because it's not only a matter of I'm looking at his example and trying really hard to do what he does, but actually his life has been placed in me through baptism. So he's actually lived his life in a way that's not only meant to be like racing alongside of us in this marathon that we call human life, and we're trying to keep up with the uh, the pace, uh, meet the standard of Jesus, the marathon runner running beside us. 
but he actually wants to transform us from within. So to actually live inside of us. Now he does that in a way that also reflects, reflects our, or uh, protects our freedom. So he's not going to force us to do something, but we say, well, gosh, I have Jesus's own life inside of me. How do I live in a way that brings that alive? So uh, to take another analogy, um, I visited a chiropractor recently for the first time because it's a friend of mine. And, uh, you know, I learned about the, some of the theory of chiropractics, which is that the, the body uh, kind of has a lot of things going for it in terms of circulation and uh, the nervous system and the messages that are communicated from the, the brain to the limbs and the whatever. There's a lot of stuff that's working. But if you work against it, so if, you're, if your heart is all blocked up with cholesterol, uh, then when it pumps, it doesn't work very well. So when there's divine life flowing through us, we can choose to help it or to hinder it. And so then we ask again, well, how do we help it? How do we, how do, we do the things that keep our spiritual arteries open, that keep our spiritual nerves uh, functioning correctly and, and allowing the messages to send? And that involves our, our freedom. It involves living as Jesus lived. And and helped us by his teaching and by his example to see how we do that. How do we keep that spiritual organism functioning at its best and, uh, and thus allowing his life to, to come alive within us? So, so I'm, in some sense, you, your, your summary is just fine, Joe. I mean, that the bottom line is uh, do what Jesus says and do what Jesus does. And then taking it a little step further to be slightly more accurate, let Jesus do in you what he says and does. And, but just to say it in a little different way that doesn't sound like God gave us a bunch of rules that we have to follow in this kind of arbitrary way. Um, I'm just rephrasing that to say, well, I'm giving also a motive. Well, why would I want to do that? Uh, what if I don't? Well, it's, it's more than just, you know, you'll have too many black marks and uh, when you're judged, you'll be sent to hell. Uh, it's not quite like the school teacher in the school, you know, in the schoolyard giving you black marks and then punishing you accordingly. So there really is something inherent in who we are. And we're already driven by a good desire to have the, the fullness of goodness and love and the fulfillment that we were made for. And then we need to keep our sort of spiritual organism opening and functioning well. And how do we do that? Well, by living in accord with our nature, just, uh, just like we know with nutrition. If you, the, the body, if you fill the body with a whatever, a lot of fat and cholesterol or you know, whatever the latest uh, analysis of all these things is, and, and you clog everything up, then it's not going to work well. If you, if you, do the basic things, you know, then it works better. Well, the same thing is true of the spiritual organism, which matters ultimately a lot more than the body does. And uh, since the spiritual organism is going to continue into eternity and, uh, and be united to an, a new glorified body that can express it fully. So anyway, hopefully that's a helpful starting point, at least. It, it certainly is. And I look at that as, as first off, I appreciate your process of going through how we get to the right question. I think that that in itself is a good learning exercise and to show that you actually go through this thinking process just like the rest of us. It's not like you're a, the instant, uh, like 
Wikipedia of knowledge. Just click on a button and you just instantly already know it. You can walk through this and I think it's a very good teaching uh, message there. So the thought that I had that going through there was, I guess, the next step of it. Because as I look at it, we'll continue the, the food analogy here. I have this great ability to do both of these facts, which somewhat feels contradictory, that Teresa can buy an entire pack of Oreos and I can keep it in the closet forever and never get it out. But as soon as I do get it out, they will be gone in a day and a half. Um, and so I, the way I'm looking at that is, is to this analogy here is in terms of when something goes bad, I think that many of us have the ability to go, we can avoid the big things, but once there's one slip, we like don't have the ability to turn the car around. We just keep going full fledged until we're either out of the bumpy path and the Oreos are gone or this road's going on forever. And I think that that's something that a lot of us have in our lives. Um, I don't think I'm unique in that category. Maybe it's a different thing, but correlating us to divinity the the oreo example divinity would be sin and i wanted to to spend a moment here because i think that we have to look at that side of the coin too because obviously divinity is the positive rising up while sin is the other end of of the negativity pulling you down so i wanted to correlate that into the discussion as well yeah i think there's uh some some nice teaching from St. Ignatius of Loyola that uh, Father Timothy Gallagher is really a magnificent uh, interpreter and presenter of, and I uh, recommend all of his books. But the, the basic foundation of Ignatius of Loyola's teaching is what he calls spiritual consolation and spiritual desolation. When the good spirit is working on us, we are lifted up and are sights are to the heavens and we feel God close to us and we have internal peace and spiritual joy. When the enemy is working on us, then we are drawn to low and earthly things. We are weighed down with sloth and laziness and lukewarmness. We have lack of faith and confidence and hope and and love. And uh, so, so those, those spiritual uh, forces are working on us. Now, all of that is under God's control. And so Ignatius asked the question, well, why would he ever allow the enemy to work on us like that? Why would he allow us to be tempted? Well, because temptation is actually helpful for us to grow. When we have to face a choice, when we have to make a decision, when we have to go against perhaps what we're attracted to in that moment or the way that we feel, it can be helpful for us to grow, to grow in dependence on God and to grow in humility. Those are the primary things, not just to grow in our willpower, to force ourselves through difficult times, but it moves us to greater dependence. We realize, wow, this isn't all dependent on me. This is really, uh, I need God to do this. I'm not becoming a master in my own right of this life. I'm becoming a, a friend of God and a cooperator with him. So, um, yeah, there are times of, of temptation that come and, and there are times that we fall into that temptation. And that, that takes us another step down the path. I, uh, you use the Oreo analogy. When we, 
when we do the wrong thing, it's easier to do the wrong thing again. Uh, once we break down a fence, it never repairs quite as well as the way that it was before. And it's always a little bit weak. It's always a little bit susceptible to being broken again. And when we say uh, yes to sin, it becomes harder to say no to sin later. And we have to kind of regain the freedom that we had won previously. And so uh, that's part of the struggle in this life. There, there is a spiritual battle that we're, we're going through and there is a good spirit and there is a bad spirit. And we're, we're working our way through that, that struggle. Ultimately, God is on our side and he wants to help us. And so uh, we have a reason for hope and we have a path for mercy and forgiveness. And there's a, there's a lot of uh, good before us in this life. But um, yeah, that's, uh, that's some of the stuff. And, and we know that in some physical ways, uh, you know, binging on Oreos is uh, not one of the more major sins be, for various reasons. Gluttony is, uh, is, not, a, is not a mortal sin, but uh, there, are, there are other serious sins that cause serious damage to our souls and serious damage to the souls of others that we have to keep fighting against and trying to gain some freedom against. And um, So anyway, that's, uh, that's part of the, the path of growth in the, in the spiritual life. And as you said that, I'm thinking of something that's probably going to be correlated to my point is there are so many different things that the church teaches about the the priority or the hierarchy of things that are good or bad that we should do or shouldn't do. But they all kind of boil down to, as you said in the beginning, we want to live a life like Christ and, and having the divinity. Um and to do that, we have to be able to be present in relationships and, and all kinds of other stuff that we discussed uh, prior to that. And there's kind of an underwriting assumption that you're you're capable of communicating through that in, in some capacity and being able to be physically present, which you could make the argument that keeping your body physically present so you can be around for more people and more elaborate communications is a vital step of that life. Um, so, so, but I, 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 it gets back to the, the, the core of it is Jesus did a lot. I mean, all of us have a lot going on in our lives. Um, obviously we discuss about the Bible discusses about his teachings. Um, but there's 20 some odd years prior to that. That's not really detailed. And that majority of time is where we're stuck in our lives. All of us can, figure out you know seven high points that we could discuss that people will want to talk about later but the mundane thursday afternoon um is the majority of our lives and that's kind of where a lot of people are, are asking about and myself included in this how do we make sure that the mundane doesn't is putting us in the right direction and, and taking us to a spot of divinity because you know, doing the, the, the little things correctly ultimately leads to great results. But how do we know if the little things are being done correctly? Because by definition, they're little and less noticed. Well, part of it is that teaching that I just mentioned in terms of paying attention to spiritual consolation and spiritual desolation. Uh, it's in times of spiritual consolation that God sets us out on a new path or um redirects us slightly or engages us in, in a deeper way. It's in spiritual desolation that the enemy tries to get us off track 
and to do the wrong thing and to break our resolutions and, and stop our commitments. Um, so paying attention to those times of spiritual desolation and spiritual consolation, which happen throughout every day, is part of how we navigate the spiritual life on a daily basis. And when we're not in spiritual consolation or spiritual desolation, then we're in equilibrium, in tranquility, and we should keep doing what we're doing. And so uh, the way that we, we live the path, you know, seldomly when you're driving, does, the, does there a sign that says right way? So we get some wrong way signs, and that's uh, something to pay attention to. Sometimes we get some indications to make a turn, but we usually wait for the GPS or the positive indication for that. We usually don't just randomly veer off onto a side street and see if this might be the right one. So in our daily life, for the most part, uh, you know, I, I'm looking at you, Joe, uh, over the, uh, the screen, and uh, I think your daily life is filled with a lot of the right things. And so carrying on in your daily life the normal way, and there are going to be some temptations in there to get angry at a client and to yell at somebody. And sometimes people need to be uh, confronted and challenged, uh, but sometimes it's working out your own stuff. And as you live in your skin longer, you start to figure out what's what. And you don't just indulge your own stuff because it feels good to get angry and be powerful and try to force people to do something that you want them to do, even if by some measure they ought to be doing that. Um, and, and we learn to act in charity. We learn to love those who are around us. We learn to act in justice and also in honesty. And those are some of the places where the rubber hits the road that we... Uh, push ourselves to really treat people not like objects that we need to navigate in our own personal Mario Brothers uh, game of reaching the finish line, but that we treat people as people who are, are in the midst of their own relationship with God and are trying also to, uh, to grow in holiness. And, and we're, we're part of their, their journey as well, and so we grow with them. So we treat people as, as real uh, individuals made in the image and likeness of God and that they deserve justice and they deserve honesty and they deserve uh, our love and our attention. And so striving, striving to grow in all of those ways, virtues, you know, those are all growing in virtue, developing the habit of having of our, our emotions, which move us. They are the move. They are the cause of our emotion. Uh, our emotions move us. And we want those emotions to be permeated with reason and perfected and elevated by grace so that we are moved in a way that is subject to the way that God moves and uh, that we're really living the life that Jesus lives, that we're treating people and loving people as Jesus loves. And, and that's, that's the daily battle. I mean, there is no boring Thursday afternoon when we're living the spiritual life because there are decisions constantly throughout the day that we're making to be like Jesus or not to be like Jesus. And that's part of the drama. There's real drama going on there. It's not the kind of drama that makes it into history books, uh, although there are particular moments of it that are made visible and are particularly dramatic. But for the most part, it's the daily drama that is uh, where we live out our spiritual life, just like you said. And Sometimes that daily drama turns into something more visible and more significant. But even those moments are really a culmination of all the other moments. Like martyrdom doesn't just happen all of a sudden. Martyrdom was prepared for by years of faithfulness, 
by years of making decisions for the gospel, uh, even at the cost of our own life. And then finally, that culminates in an a actual experience of, of martyrdom. Uh, those heroic acts of, of justice, which go down in the history books, didn't just happen all of a sudden accidentally. They were prepared for by years of virtue, by building the character that makes one stand in the face of persecution and torment and still stand for the truth and stand in love uh, for, for our neighbor. So uh, anyway, the, the, the moments on a Thursday afternoon are precisely the moments that we live out that daily drama. If we start to develop an attitude like Thursday afternoon isn't as valuable as the the, the high moments of the week or the, the critical, you know, if the, if the weekly meeting is not as important as the annual uh, uh, presentation, uh, then we're not going to be able to do the annual presentation well. Then we start to create a space in our day that's like, oh, well, this doesn't really matter. I can do whatever I want. I can just binge on those Oreos. It doesn't really matter. This isn't when the rubber meets the road. This isn't game time. You know, it's like, if you're training for a marathon and you say, oh, well, this isn't this isn't the real thing. I can cut corners. I can cheat. I can be complacent. I don't need to go the distance. I don't need to try as hard. I don't need to. And then we're not going to be able to do it when it when game time comes. If we're not living a life of integrity, that's really the same all through, then we're not going to be able to make it in the big moments either. And, and I think that's a very well said. And, and I think that that's something that we all can correlate to. And the thought that I had leading into that is the way we can evaluate that. And I think you kind of brought it full circle is that for any given circumstance, we can look at things as I want to achieve the best outcome or I just don't want to lose. And I think that when we discuss this, that that doesn't really apply as much with divinity because the, the, I want to achieve the best outcome is doing something that is putting yourself in a habit that's going to lead to the big moments when something happens, you know, as you said, at game time. So whenever we're, we're practicing, you know, getting our minds straight and, and creating this situation where I am doing the right thing. I have thought this through. I'm not bringing out my negativity into the world. I'm trying to build someone else up and do it with, with that capacity. Um, and, and this is my, my, my final question here, and hopefully it doesn't take us too long, or maybe it becomes an, a, another uh, podcast within itself, is, is this question is, as you mentioned, this isn't a race where we're fighting against the person to our left, the person to our right here. This is our individual relationship w- with God. And... In such, everyone has a relationship with God, whether it's developed or not, it's there. So the concept of me getting to a relationship with God and winning first place in this race isn't feasible, let alone practical. So my question there is, is it a responsibility or a duty of ours to essentially have our relationship with God be public so that other people can see how we do it and how we are doing it. Um, inherently that has some presumptions with it that we are doing things correctly. We, people should do it like us, but 
in general, we see many people doing the right things in life, trying to do, as you said, do these little practice moments, do things correctly, but it's never said with, I'm doing this explicitly for Jesus or, or Christ or anything like that. So I guess that's kind of my question too, is trying to get to is what is our, our duty with that regard? I'm not sure I totally followed that. So um, if we're doing something correctly in our lives, as you said, with, with, with trying to do the right things in the little moments and, and trying to carry forward um, correct attitudes, correct actions towards other people. Um, yes, that is, is good and positive in the relationship with there. Um, but should we explicitly be saying, I am doing this because my faith is telling me to do this, or should we just keep doing the correct action and, and not necessarily explicitly state we're doing this because this is the way Jesus lived throughout and just kind of let our actions be as they are. Um, well, I, I think, uh, so in other words, when you deal with a contractor and you're good to him, do you tell him that you're doing this because you're a Christian? Yeah. Essentially, are we trying, should we be trying to advertise that? I guess is the way of saying that. Yeah. I mean, uh, we have a we have a, an obligation to proclaim the gospel, and uh, so so we should be ready to give a reason for our hope. Now, it's possibly grating and uh, irritating if we're constantly saying, "I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian." Hi, my name is Joe. I'm a Christian. Um, that's probably weird, but at the same time. Um, you know, we should be wearing our faith on our sleeve enough that people know that we're a Christian. It shouldn't be uh, something that we hide either. So how explicit we make, we make that is going to depend on the circumstance and depend on the, the people that we're interacting with. It's going to depend on a variety of things. But I would say in general, we do it too little. I think we are not explicit enough in the way that we live our faith. And so probably almost everybody that's tuned into our podcast needs to do it more. Um, now, I, I'm, uh, I put my money where my mouth is. There is, I don't even own any other clothes. I only wear a religious habit. I'm in that habit all the time. And there's uh, nothing to be afraid of in being Christian and in making that known. So again, we don't need to be weird about it. I mean, we can be some, somewhat natural about it, but we shouldn't be afraid of it either. And if we feel insecure about proclaiming our faith or inviting other people to know Jesus or letting people know that we're a Christian and that that's a priority in our life, then we need to look at that and uh, really examine what it is that we're insecure about or what that we, we feel inadequate or that we're not good enough as a Christian to be seen that way? Well, those are things that we need to work on then. So yeah, I would really challenge everybody to find ways to be more explicit. Um, you know, the, the oft quoted statement that St. Francis never actually said, uh, <laughs> preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words, uh, it's necessary. So in our time, it's necessary 
it's not adequate simply to live our faith. Now, if we proclaim words and we don't live our faith, that hypocrisy can do more damage. So we need to also challenge ourselves to live our faith. But then our words become an expression of a life that we're really committed to. And it's just not a big deal to say, yeah, I'm doing this for Christ. He's the, he's the reason for my life. I mean, Jesus was explicit in saying, if, if you don't bear witness to me, I won't bear witness to you before my Father in heaven. So if you want to go to heaven, you need to talk about Jesus. I mean, he's fairly explicit about that in the gospel. So, yeah, I would challenge everybody to be, uh, to be more explicit. And, and then what happens when you think about that? What's, what's kind of holding you back? Where, where do you feel some anxiety about that? That's probably a good thing to look at and talk about in your, in your prayer and with your trusted friends that you can hear, your advisors and whatever else that you can talk to about your faith life. Beautiful. And, and what a, a great way to end this episode here and carry us forward in the next week. Thank you all for listening. And we'll be with you again here next week.